Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on miracles. I want to testify today. I want to tell a story today. I want to build a foundation today. Um, I do not, well, I'm not going to say I don't believe. I know for a fact there is no coincidence in that Padre came last week and talked about positioning ourselves for the miraculous. And uh, if you'll remember our family day outside, just the word of the day to me was alignment. And I interrupted the prayer to end the service and said, I do need to share this with you guys real quick. I feel like everything that happened today was out of obedience for alignment. And so, and last week we talked about position. There's such a a call for alignment and position so that God can do what he desires to do in your life and in the collective church together. And so I want to talk today about something that I think is foundational into being positioned correctly. I love what Padre talked about last week, and I love the stories that he told. I'm always inspired by the stories that he tells of miracles, and I just want to just break it down as simple as I possibly can today, and I want us to make a decision. I want us to have integrity in our faith. You know what that means? I want us to have integrity in our faith. I want us to believe what we say we believe. And I want us to not believe what we say we don't believe. There's a lot of lack of integrity in the church with what we believe, which causes a lot of confusion in the world and in the church. There's so many people that say they don't believe in things. There's people that say they don't believe in things, but then when they need those things, they call people that do believe in those things to pray for those things. Right? And I'm saying, you know, Jesus said that by your faith you were healed, so my faith can't heal you if you don't believe God can heal you. Right? But there's things, and we... Uh, I, I, I know firsthand stories. We, we, I'm a chaplain with the sheriff's department, and... There are certain things that there are some chaplains that don't believe that God does today. Yet, when those things need to happen, they will call a chaplain that does believe those things happen today and ask them to come because they believe someone is under the influence of demonic power, right? And I'm like, if God doesn't do that today, don't call me. What are you, crazy? But if he does, why don't you ask him to do it through you? You know what I'm saying? I want us to have some integrity in what we say we believe. I think so many times we're complacent and we're hesitant and we're bound by fear because we're not sure what we believe. And so I think we need to make some firm foundations on who God is and what he does. And so I just want to go back to the beginning. Do y'all know where the beginning is? Genesis. Genesis is our beginning. He has no beginning. 
and he has no end. So we'll just go back to the only beginning we know. So, first of all, miracle. A surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. We've been trying to figure out Genesis through science ever since it began, right? But you can't figure out Genesis through science because it is a miracle of a divine agency, right? You figure it out by what he says. That's it. And so we go back to Genesis, and we see God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus chilling and deciding to create the earth. Now, I told you I'm going to preach in 30 minutes, and I'm starting in Genesis. <laughs> All right? So I, I, we're just going to look at who God is and who he is today, okay? So God creates the entire world, okay? We walk right through Genesis, and we see in six days he created the world, and he rested on the seventh, right? So we watch him create the world. Guess what he created at the last? Man. Because he wanted man to not live one day without everything that they need. So who is God? What's his intention for us? Does he care if we have what we need or not? Let's decide. Because if he doesn't, then he doesn't, right? And then we won't ever pray. We won't ask for miracles. We won't ask for interruptions by divine agencies. We'll just say, well, it's just tough. He left us here. But he made us out of dust and breathed his breath into us and made us a living being. After he made everything for us to have everything we need. Pretty ordinary stuff, right? Pretty humdrum, non-miraculous stuff in the beginning, right? And so it's just, we're just here, and we're just living, and we're just stuck with whatever we have. In Genesis, we see Abraham. God promised Abraham that he was going to be the father of many nations, but he had no son, and he was old. And his wife, Sarah, was old. Sarah laughed when she was told she was going to have a son. And the angel said, this time next year, you won't be laughing anymore. <laughs> and so Sarah conceived when Abraham was 100 years old and had Isaac. And she nursed her son in her old age. In Exodus, Israel finds themselves in bondage in Egypt, and God comes to Moses in a burning bush. The bush is consumed with fire, but it does not go away. It just keeps burning, and God talks to Moses through a burning bush and says, you're going to lead my people out of bondage in Egypt. God sends ten plagues to Egypt. 
water. He changes to blood. He covers the earth in frogs. He covers the earth in lice, flies. All the cattles die. Everybody gets boils. Hell with fire and thunder. I don't know why, but that one just seems like the coolest one to me. There's hell falling and fire on the ground at the same time. I mean, that is crazy awesome bad. Hell with fire and thunder. Locusts cover the earth. Darkness befalls. And then all the firstborn sons were killed. And Pharaoh lets God's people go. Israel was led from Egypt through the wilderness by a cloud by day. A cloud led them. Pretty ordinary stuff. Right? At night, a pillar of fire led them. They get to a sea called the Red Sea, and Pharaoh is behind them, and God parts the entire sea. Not only does he part the sea, come on, I'm just trying to tell you some things today that make you understand the heart of God. Get a revelation of the heart of God, the God that some people are telling you could care less about your everyday life and does not have any intention to make intervention in your existence. Not only did he part the Red Sea, this shows the heart of God, but he dried the ground for him. Part the sea and dry the ground. Now, we know God doesn't have to do it like this, but it very much is still the heart of the matter. He can dry the ground instantly, but it's the thought that counts, right? So the thought shows him with a little towel after the water's been parted on his hands and knees, walking around, damping every last drop of water so that your feet don't get wet. That's the heart of God for you. I'm not just leading you out of bondage. I'm leading you out of bondage in a very delicate, loving, passionate way. And he dries the ground as they walk through. They've got bitter drinking water, and he makes it sweet. God doesn't care, though, if you're bitter. He doesn't care about how you feel about things. He just wants you to do what he tells you to do. Made their bitter water sweet, though. Sent manna every day for them to eat. And you think you're just sitting out here all by yourself. Water comes out of a rock for them to drink. The Jordan River divides. The walls of Jericho fall. One day when Joshua's in a battle, the sun and the moon stand still. Now, again, just like that song had a double negative, some of you have already went there with me right now. The sun and the moon don't move, right? Moon, but... You know, the sun doesn't. We orbit, right? Okay, potato, potato. So that's a lesser miracle that the earth stopped rotating and went backwards. <clears throat> so while Joshua's fighting, the earth stops moving and goes backwards 
a few hours, approximately six, so that Joshua could finish what he was doing. Later on in Joshua, a hailstorm destroys the Amorite army. There he goes again with that hail. A hailstorm. Joshua's in a battle. God kills all the Amorites with hail from heaven. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm not going to have time to read this today like I was going to. Um, but in 1 Kings 17, we see that Elijah was at the brook of Cherith, and he was fed by ravens, and he drank out of the creek. And the ravens brought him bread and meat. Every day the ravens brought him bread and meat, and he drank out of the brook because he prophesied a drought himself. And so he had a drink out of the creek, eat bread and meat from the ravens. Then when the creek dried up, God sent him to a widow's house and so she could feed him. And the widow was about to fix her last cake, and her and her son are going to eat it and die. And Elijah says, well, can you get me a glass of water first? <laughs> and then he says, by the way, while you're fetching the water, could you go ahead and make me a cake? She said, well, my... You know, I'm going to eat my last cake, and me and my son are going to die. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Go ahead and bring me one first. Because <laughs> the Lord told Elijah to go there, and the lady's going to feed him. So how's she going to feed him and provide for him if she's dead? So he already knew what she said couldn't be true. You're not only going to live, you're going to provide for me. You can't die, woman. I already know. <laughs> huh? Come on, we got to decide who God is and what he's doing. I mean, we can't go around not knowing for sure if he's going to feed us with ravens or a widow or whatever means necessary. We've got to know. Because if we don't know, we're not going to ask. And if we're not going to ask, we can't have. And it's important not only for us that we have, but it's important for the world to see us have. So she makes him a cake, brings it to him. <laughs> you know the story. The whole time the drought is there, the meal never runs out, and the oil never runs out, and the woman and her son and Elijah eat good. It's amazing how God does what he says he's going to do, and if a man can hear him, he can experience it, and he can walk in it, and he can do it with faith and confidence. Elijah had declared that drought. In the midst of that drought, Elijah calls down fire from heaven and consumes a sacrifice. Remember that? Then Elijah calls it to rain again, and it rains. Look at this. What in the world? In 2 Kings, Elisha goes to a widow's house, and her oil multiplies. That's the widow that went and got all the pots from all of her neighbors and filled those pots with oil. And as long as she had more pots, the oil continued to pour, and she sold those pots to pay her debts. And God intervened. In 2 Kings 6, an iron axe head swims. 
an iron axe head swims. Now, this wasn't to prove that God was God, like when Elijah called down fire from heaven and this massive thing needed to happen and we needed this great big miracle. Someone was just in distress that they had borrowed an axe and it had fallen in the water. That's all that was going on. Remember Rick last week, he said, it's not the, the distress of your situation that positions you for a miracle. There's people that live in greater distress than other people, and those people keep getting miracles. Our distress doesn't automatically get us a miracle. It's our faith. It's who we believe God says is, and it's, we believe he's going to do what he says he's going to do. <clears throat> Axe head falls in the water. The guy's like, oh, no, I need that axe head. I borrowed it. Elisha takes a stick and touches it in the water. I love it because it doesn't say the axe head floats. It says the axe head swims. I don't know. Did it grow arms? I don't know. But the axe head swims. In 2 Kings 13, they throw some dead people on top of Elisha's bones, and they come to life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3 get thrown into a fiery furnace, and not only were they not consumed, but there was a fourth man in the fire, and he looked like the Son of God. They came out of the fire. They didn't even smell like smoke. And the guys who had thrown them in were killed just from getting that close to the fire. But, you know, before they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, they were throwing them in for not bowing down to an idol. And they said, hey, why didn't you bow down to that idol? And they said, we're not even careful how we're going to answer you in this. Our God is able to deliver us from the fire. But even if he doesn't, let it be known I won't bow down. See, here I think is the disconnect with some people. Well, maybe God won't heal them. Well, maybe God won't do all that. Well, quit bowing down to that every time and pray for them anyways. I'm not going to be careful to say that. I've decided. If I'm going to be found guilty of something, if I'm going to stake my claim on something, and it's going to be my downfall in the public eye. Let it be that I say God still heals. And God delivers. And God sets free. And God would that none should perish. And if that's not popular, popular let it be so. Daniel is saved from the lion's den. Jonah survived being swallowed by a great fish. This is just the Old Testament. The Word hasn't even put on flesh and walked among us. He told Timothy, that, no, Philip, he said, show us the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm an exact replication of the Father. What I do demonstrates the heart of the Father. So if you want to know the Father, then just look at what I do. So let's just look at what he do. <laughs> I love this in the Old Testament. One more, Jeremiah 32. 
27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? By the way, he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He parts the Red Sea, and we don't think he can give us a bologna sandwich. <laughs> we need to have integrity in what we believe. Is he God or is he not? Jesus starts out the party in John chapter 2, his very first miracle. He's in Canaan. And he changes water into wine. And if you think the Old Testament is powerful, I think it's a prophetic picture that he turns the water into wine and they give the water, the, the wine to the guests and the, and the host of the party. And he comes and says, man, most people give the best wine while everybody can taste it. And then when everybody gets a little, you know, they give them the bad stuff and nobody knows. He said, but you've saved the best wine for last. So if he parts the sea in the Old Testament, what does he do in the New? And if he heals everybody he comes in contact in the New Testament, what does he do today? The increase of his government shall know no end, yet we think he's backing up. We think he's going backwards. We think he's going sideways. We think it's all stopped and it's gone away. The arrogance to make a declaration that what God did, he doesn't still do, is the greatest display of fear I've ever seen. We have to be so gripped with fear that he won't do it the way we said that he still does it, and then we'll look bad. I don't even see how we could possibly go through the New Testament right now. You guys know enough about the New Testament, I don't have to tell you. Turns water into the wine, heals an official son in Capernaum, drives out an evil spirit from a man in Capernaum, heals Peter's mother-in-law, heals sick and oppressed, catch, catch a great miraculous catch of fish, cleanses a man of leprosy, heals a paralyzed man, heals the paralytic that was let down through the roof. Remember that guy? Heals the withered hand on the Sabbath, raises the widow's son from the dead, calms a storm on the sea, casts demons in a herd of pigs, he heals a woman in a crowd with an issue of blood. He raises Jairus' daughter back to life. He heals two blind men. He heals a man. We should make a song to this, like the 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Heals two blind men. Heals a man with, who was unable to speak. Heals an invalid in Bethesda. Feeds 5,000 plus women and children. Walks on the water. Heals many sick and Gennesaret as they touch his garment. Heals a Gentile woman's demon-possessed daughter. Heals a deaf and dumb man. Feeds 4,000 plus women and children. Heals a blind man at Bethesda. Heals a man born blind by spitting in his eyes. Heals a boy with an unclean spirit. Um, gets the temple tax out of a fish's mouth. That's a fun one, ain't it? One tax. Oh, no, I can't <laughs> Make sure Brittany's not running her camera right now. Will you run your camera? Don't put another one of me singing up now. <laughs> uh, 
where was I? Blind man, mute, demoniac, heals a woman who had been crippled for 18 years, heals a man with droopsy on the Sabbath, heals 10 lepers on the way to Jerusalem, raises Lazarus from the dead, restores sight to Bar Bartimaeus in Jericho, withers the fig tree, heals the servant's severed ear while he's being arrested. Then after he's raised, he has the second miraculous catch of fish at the Sea of Tiberias. And then John 21, 25 says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. That's a lot of stuff. Luke 18, 27, Jesus responded, What appears humanly impossible is more than possible with God, for God can do what man cannot. Acts 19, 11, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. We get so tore up about this stuff, don't we? I wish I could remember the story, man. I heard a story of a wife who, and this isn't a far removed story, this is somebody I know and we prayed and we anointed a cloth and she put that cloth under her husband's pillow and her husband couldn't sleep at night till he gave his heart to the Lord. We need to have integrity in our faith. Ephesians 3 and 20, never doubt Never, you know what, what never means in the Bible? Never. Doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. What is it you're thinking he doesn't do anymore? Doesn't he limit himself by the promises he makes of what he will and won't do still? Think about that. If God's promised to do certain things, like right here, then he's made promises to do more than people imagine or think. So what determines what he does? What we're able to imagine or think or dream determines what he does. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest, manifest through time and eternity. Amen. Mark 16, 17, And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe been so easy just to put right there the apostles if that's all it was for wouldn't it wouldn't that have been so easy i mean couldn't that have just just settled it all right there couldn't they just name them 
these signs shall follow the 11 disciples. These miracle signs will accompany those who believe. What God doesn't do it anymore, then people don't believe anymore. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will super be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. After saying these things, Jesus was lifted up into heaven and sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of God. And the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord himself consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. The very last thing he says before ascending to heaven. That's usually something very important. People act like it can just give or take. It's no big deal. I think it is a big deal. I think if it wasn't a big deal, he wouldn't have left those last instructions for us. It's very important that you do this. Guys, don't forget to lay hands on the sick. Guys, don't forget to cast out demons. I'm not sure if God cares if we lay hands on the sick or not. You know, he's just trying to teach us perseverance and endurance and all those things. Guys, we need to have integrity in our faith. I, 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 honestly, I did not even want to come in here today and prove a point. I just want to present to you the evidence and make a decision, please. Because I believe this body has to be positioned for miracles. I believe this body is going to be a sign and a wonder. We're going to see the miraculous at work. And it's going to be corporate faith and corporate alignment. We have to believe what's going on. John 14, 12, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Where's the confusion? I, I just don't even understand the confusion. Even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. Now, you almost got to make a disclaimer, you know, just like I had to say about Emily's worship. If she gets too wild, I'll say something, you know. And you got to make a disclaimer and you got to say, I know there are some abuses. We always have to say that, right? I know there are some abuses. You know, that's like, I mean, there are people. So there's always going to be abuses if there's people, right? But here, what about this statement? I did not see that happen like that in the Bible. Okay? But Jesus said, 
that you're going to do the same things I do, which you can read about, and even greater miracles than these you're going to do. So you can't read about them. I mean, seriously, are we there? Okay, if they're greater than what Jesus did, there is no chapter after Jesus, you know, but we, 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 we're going to do things. We're going to see things. <clears throat> Man, I've said your name so many times today. This ain't your special day. Don't get a big head. <laughs> But Emily did come over to me today. She had no idea what I was going to do today. Do you, do you, are you picking this up right now? Do you have any idea what you're saying? I mean, are you, are you seeing a correlation of what you said to me yet? She said that she just saw God with a gavel in his hand and smack the gavel down and say, it's done. Okay. Now, that means he's the judge, and she said it's victory. He's declaring victory, but it's as simple as just smacking a gavel down and saying, done. But before the judge can say, done, the jury has to arrive at a verdict. And I believe that when we take the evidence that was presented today, and when we arrive at a verdict, it's going to be this simple. Bam. It's done. When the body of Christ will look at the evidence of God's intention for us and what he's promised to us, when we will look at that evidence and we will begin to live our life with a guilty conviction. God, you are guilty of being a miracle worker God. We have found you guilty. We have found you responsible for great miracles throughout the history of the world. And so we have found you guilty. And he's like, done. We need to have integrity in our faith. Many of you may do this. So I kind of debated to even say this today, but I just kept thinking of it, so I think I should say it. If you want prayer and good vibes <laughs> sent your way, then you probably should just drop the prayer. Because you need to have integrity in your faith. If you think good vibes are going to heal you, then you've got another God above God. So you might as well not pray. You might as well not have somebody pray and send good vibes. You might as well just put your faith in him. Look, I mean, I'd rather you say, send me some aspirin and pray, okay? That's okay, Right? We can take some medicine. I'm not, I'm not anti-medicine. Send me some aspirin and pray. But sending me good vibes is insane. It ain't going to do a thing for you. Pray, people. 
You know, I just wanted to say earlier, too, I forgot this part of my little thing I was saying before offering. I hear a lot of people bash modern worship because they say, oh, you know, we did a lot of O's today. It seemed to be the most powerful part in the song. Y'all got really fired up when we said, oh, I don't know why. <laughs> I think too much, don't I? I mean, y'all just imagine what's going on down here, during, you know. But it's, it gets a lot quicker. I mean, that, that's where God frees me up, right? It just passes through, and it just keeps going. And I'm like, yeah, that's gone. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and it's in four hours contemplating whether or not we can sing songs with O in them or not. <laughs> and decide how I'm going to talk to Jahan about that today. <laughs> you know what I thought today? I was like, you know, I thought of everything that people always say about O's and how it's not powerful and why is that powerful and why are we saying O? And then I thought about a time just this week when all I could do was say, Oh! 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 I remember that time. And I remember when he responded to my oh, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty powerful. Let's do that again. Oh! Oh! It's so free not to have to worry about judging every lyric of a song and how everybody worships to it. If you resign from your job as the worship police, you can really enjoy service. It's a lot more fun. <laughs> Guys, we need to have integrity in our faith. You need to have integrity in your faith. Ask without doubting. Because if a man doubts, it's like a wave tossed to and fro. Is God a healer? Is God a healer? Does he heal? Does he heal? Does he heal? I've heard this saying. Well, if that was the case, then why would, if God really did heal people in that service the other day, why didn't they leave service and go down to Children's Hospital and pray for every person? I don't know. That sounds like a really good idea. And they'd clean out. There wouldn't even be any hospitals. If God really healed people, what, wouldn't he heal everybody and there wouldn't be any hospitals? No, because people still don't believe. It says, call for the elders of the church. Say, is there any sick among you? And if there's any sick among you, lay hands on them and anoint them with oil and they'll be healed. <clears throat> Why doesn't God heal today? We did that one time. Remember that time we prayed for people and God didn't heal all of them? So we didn't do it again for six months. Maybe that was an instruction to do every single time we get together. Do every time we come together. Okay, guys, before we start singing a bunch of songs and ooing and on and Emily starts dancing, <laughs> is anybody sick? Let's lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How much do we exercise our faith? How much do we have integrity 
in what we believe. If at one time, six months ago, that we prayed for 28 people and one got healed, well, if we prayed for 28 people every week, now that'd be a bunch more. Well, what if God doesn't do it? I don't know. That's up to him. I'm responsible for my part. He told me to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And he's the healer. So he takes care of his part and I take care of my part like you take care of your worship and I take care of my worship. We can't excuse not being obedient to the word of God based on a fear that God is not who he says he is. When you have integrity in our faith. I'm ready. I'm ready that if God's not a healer, let it be the downfall of me. Let me be a false teacher. Let me be a heretic if God's not a healer. But I'd rather say what the Word says and let people judge my fruit and tell me I'm wrong, then deny what the word says and everybody else praise me and me never taste what he intended for me to taste. Yeah. I got to have integrity in my faith. And you got to have integrity in yours. God didn't call me to explain every bad situation and why it happens. God didn't call me to dissect every time I've prayed for somebody and see why they weren't healed. God instructed me to lay hands. These signs will follow those that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Last thing, you know, we as believers, we're right there with the apostles, right? So the last thing he told us when he could see us face to face, we're an extension of them, was, hey, let these signs follow you. Well, I just don't think God cares about all that. He just is really concerned with how well we do with the rules. I think he cares. And I've been aware of this week of so many people, so many needs. And I have to have integrity in my faith. To lay hands on the sick at Waggles. To lay hands on the sick at La Palma. To lay hands on the sick at Walmart. To lay hands on the sick at Target. To lay hands on the sick at the gas station. To lay hands on the sick everywhere I go. Not just sick in body, but sick in spirit. Tormented in their mind and emotion. Just tore up from the floor up. And I need to put my hands on them. And see them be healed and set free. And you need to put your hands on them. And see them be set free and healed. Will you stand up with me today? I went a little bit over. I'm sorry. We did pretty good, I think. We had a good time this weekend. We traveled to North Carolina and Redemption Music led worship for a women's conference. Great time. Just the vein kind of really was 
The worship was really geared towards miracles all weekend. And that's kind of where we've been for weeks now. And I just, we have to decide. We have to decide. If we believe it's all about following the rules and just making right choices to, I believe some people think that we can study and know. I, I was reading some stuff this week that the enlightened approach to miracles obviously knows that we don't need them today because we're so enlightened. We don't need his intervention because he's given us the tools that we can live so successfully, so perfectly that we'll never need his intervention in our lives. That's absurd. And it still does not deal with the heart of God. Because the heart of God is not changed by your competency. It's still his heart to intervene. Because he loves. So no matter how well you did, he would find at least an axe head in the water to float for you. He would find, he would, you would be doing, you would part the sea yourself and you'd be doing everything perfect. And he'd say, well, I'm just going to come down and dry it. I, I'm a hands-on kind of God. That's his heart. We think we're somehow to a place now that we've learned that God is done with us and doesn't care. And we'll see, I'll see y'all when you get here. Figure it out now. That would deny his heart throughout the history of the world. He sees you. He sees you. He sees every need. He desires to be active in your circumstance and in your situation. He desires. He's literally knocking on the door of your situation, hoping you will answer and let him in. He's hoping that you will trust him to work a miracle in your behalf. He itches to do great and mighty things in your behalf. Is it not displayed in his heart throughout all of eternity? You're not going to put him out. Well, we don't want to pray today because, you know, there's a lot of people in church today. They're probably all praying. Man, he is so hungry. To move. Lord, we love you. <clears throat> How much fun it is just to reflect on who you are and what you do. God, I pray that we would be a people that have integrity in our faith, that we would make a decision. We would come to a verdict, and we would stand on it. And because of that verdict and because of that belief, we would be a people who are looking. 
with expectation for the miraculous around every corner. We carry your heart, the heart that loves to be involved. We carry your heart into the world around us, and we look for opportunities to be used in the miraculous. We look for opportunities to extend your heart to the world around us. Lord, let us be aware. God, would you just put illuminating signs over places and people and situations that you want to intervene in and that you want to do miracles in. Some of y'all already checked me out because I just said that. Wait till you see one and then you'll laugh. God, would you just put signs, would you just illuminate over circumstances and situations and people that need a miraculous touch and an intervention from you? And God, would you use us to move in those areas and in those lives? Because we believe. We believe it is in your heart to do the miraculous. And we accept the call The prophetic words said, I see Knoxville burning. One of the prophetic words over this house and over this place, I see Knoxville burning. And I see Knoxville like Fort Knox with a treasury of the supernatural that are being released in the city of Knoxville and throughout the world. God, would we release the supernatural. Would we be a people that have our minds made up that you are looking and you are ready and you are hungry to move in the miraculous in our lives and in all the lives that we come in contact with. Let me be let us be carriers of the supernatural. Let the signs follow us. The ones that believe, the ones that have decided that you are true to your word. Let the signs follow us. Let us lay hands on the sick and let us see them recover in Jesus' name. Let us cast out demons and let us see people set free and let us see people, let, let our eyes, let people look into our eyes and let their hearts melt. Let looking into our eyes be like looking into your eyes, God. Let us carry your love. Let us carry your heart. And let us carry your power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life. 